So on this first day of a new year, the whole concept of new is on all of our minds. And so therefore, I want us to consider seven new things which we find in Scripture. Seven new things that we find in Scripture. I'll overview them, and then we'll talk about them. A new covenant, number one. A new creation, two. A new way, three. A new commandment, four. New things in heaven, five. A new song, six. And new babes in Christ, seven. Let's start with a new covenant. In Mark 14, verse 24, it says, and he, that is Jesus, said to them, that is to his disciples in the upper room before the cross, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Basically, a covenant in scripture is an arrangement made by one party, which the other party could accept or reject, but not change. The covenant of the Old Testament centered on the law, the Mosaic law, which God gave to Moses and the Israelites. And this Old Testament covenant principally revealed the holiness of God and the sinfulness of all persons and revealed the need for a redeeming savior. The law of the Old Testament, the blood sacrifices and the promised savior dominate this old covenant of the Old Testament time. And it's described as the Old Testament, and testament is another way of saying covenant. What happens in the New Testament? What happens in the new covenant that we're speaking about in this part of the sermon? What is the new covenant all about? The new covenant of the New Testament is the newness that celebrates and centers on the holiness of God, which is personified in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Savior, his salvation for the sinner, and the church dominate this new covenant as it is captured for us, described for us, prescribed for us in the New Testament scriptures. Now, to appreciate the new covenant, (laughs) we only need to consider how things would be if we had to bring an unblemished lamb on Saturdays to this building with a sharp knife. We're under a new covenant, a new testament, a new arrangement. Praise God. The second thing that is new I'd like us to talk about is a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, the scriptures tell us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is that you? It should be, all of us, if we know Christ as Savior. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I'm preaching to new creations. You're watching a preacher who's a new creation. And all the other born-again believers and all the other assemblies of Nassau, which are many that are truly our brothers and sisters in Christ, they too are new creations in Christ. 100% of born-again Christians are to be new creations in Christ. And what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is that, behold, the old things before you are new creation in Christ have passed away. You've put them aside. You've walked away from them. You are different. What used to make you laugh makes you cry now. What used to make you cry makes you laugh now. You're a new creation in Christ. So... 
Scripture says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so this aspect of being a new creation because of salvation is that we say goodbye to old things one by one by one. That's an old thing, the scriptures tell me. So I say goodbye to it. That's an old thing that the Holy Spirit impresses on my heart. So I jettison it. I throw it away. That's a new thing according to God's word. I gravitate to that. I hold on to that. I keep that. You get the idea. And so in 2023, being a new creation should show up such that if you were to say the person who works beside you at work or your neighbor next door on your street or your children or your grandchildren that I'm a new creation in Christ, they wouldn't go, really? They would go, yes. Yes, you are. And because we're a new creation in Christ as brothers and sisters in our Lord, it should show up in our use of time, in our preferences for our entertainment, in our bank statement, how we spend God's money, in our responses to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit. Being a new creation should show up in our relationships with others. We should have nobody that we're tempted to cross the other side of the street when we see. Because our relationships are whole. They're new. Old ways of doing relationships which were ungodly, we've passed by, we've dropped. Being a new creation should show up in our commitment to the mission of this church of fully making fully committed followers of Christ. By being here this morning, making the effort to be here at 11 o'clock this morning, you are contributing, fostering, accelerating our mission as a church to make fully committed followers of Christ. Every chance you get In this new year God loans us, I challenge you and encourage you to plug into the mission of this local church, your church, in the making of fully committed followers of Christ. Yourself first, but then all the people around you in this assembly. Pray for them, help them, talk with them, spend time with them so they too will be developing to be fully committed followers of Christ. That's our mission. Being a new creation should show up in the treatment of our wife if we're married. It show up, should show up in our interplay with our husband if you're married. It should show up in how you parent your children or influence your grandchildren. Being a new creation in Christ should shape your joys and channel your tears. And you're being a new creation in Christ this new year should spur on your urgency to share the gospel with lost people who accept the grace of God and the cross of Christ interposed for them. They're going to a Christless eternity. Now, from the new covenant and the new creation, we move to a new way. Scriptures tell us that this new way is also a living way. Hebrews 10, verse 20, listen. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. We have a new way 
to approach God. We have a new way to have peace with God, and it's not only a new way, but it's the living way. It is not the Old Testament law which makes anyone right with God. It's Christ's blood that makes anyone right with God who is right with God. Hebrews 10.19 Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. In God's way that's living and new for us, God's way for us as believers in his son is living out Christ's life through our spiritual gift, through our temperament, through our network of influence, through our employment, through our recreation, through our family, through our church. God's way, which is new for us as believers, is living out Christ's life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the way I try to think about it is Jesus Christ is Lord for me. He's Savior for me, and he's my life. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wait a minute, Paul. When you wrote Galatians, you seemingly weren't dead physically. No, he wasn't. But he says, past tense, I have been crucified with Christ. The old Paul The Paul that wasn't a new creation has been crucified with Christ. Look at my hands. If this is the Lord Jesus and this was the Apostle Paul, I could also say you if you're saved. If Jesus Christ is here and this is Paul or you as a believer in the Lord Jesus this morning, when you're spirit baptized at the point of conversion, you are placed into Christ, a forensic unity and uh, identity. So that everything that happened to the Lord Jesus has happened to you. He was crucified. You in him, you were crucified. That's how you can become a new creation. The old you died. I told you about 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Dr. Barnhouse led a couple to the Lord. They were kind of partiers before Christ. And the lady came up to Dr. Barnhouse a couple Sundays after they were saved. He said, oh, pastor, it's great. Some of our old friends invited us over for a drinking party. And we said, oh, sorry, we can't attend. We both died last Sunday. She had it right. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me by his Holy Spirit. Any life we have as believers is in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit expresses Jesus Christ's life through us. I told you about the missionary who died in the remote tribe, having ministered among them for many years. And when the next missionary came and started speaking about the cross and the empty tomb and what Jesus was like, they said, no, 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 he didn't live many years ago. He was here just a few years ago and lived with us. We'll take you to his grave. The tribesmen saw that missionary as being so much like Jesus, they thought he was Jesus. God's new way for each of us 
is the living out of Christ's life by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Christian life, my friends, is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible except we rely upon the indwelling Holy Spirit. He's the one that produces and empowers the life of Jesus Christ through us. It's a mindset, too. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. If then you were raised with Christ, the conditional if there in the Greek means since then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Here it is, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, Galatians 2.20, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now watch. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You are what you think. I am what I think. When people come to me and say, I say, how are you doing? They say, pretty good under the circumstances. I say, what are you doing under them? Lift your mind's eye to the heavenlies. In Christ, you're actually seated with Christ in the heavenlies now, and you're living out Christ's life here on earth below. So what's new? A new covenant. A new creation. And a new way, but there's more. There's also a new commandment. The Lord Jesus, before the cross, John 13, 34 to 35, a new covenant I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, you loving one another in this church, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The flip side of that truth is if we don't properly love one another in this assembly, the passerby on Collins who knows anything about us has the right to question whether we are fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. It's that serious. I'll give you a challenge. Do you know the name of everyone in this sanctuary right now? That's impossible. Well, maybe. If there's someone in the sanctuary, as you casually look, that you don't know their name, I challenge you, before you leave the campus, you walk up with a big smile and say, I don't believe I know your name. I'm Rob Elliott. And then here's a fun question that make, is, is a careful question. So how long have you been attending Calvary Bible Church? They may say, this is my first Sunday. Or they may say, I've been coming here for 15 years. We need to know each other, at least our names. I challenge you, if someone's here, you don't know their name, just walk up after the service with a big smile and ask their name and you give them your name. A new commandment that you love one another. Of course, when we fly anywhere on pleasure or business, we have to show <coughs> valid passports. We have to show valid passports. And when we claim to be a Christian, we must show sacrificial love to other Christians. 
Jesus said so. Doesn't matter if they're lovable. Jesus commands us to love one another. And if we don't, then questioning whether we even follow Jesus is on the table. So let me ask you, do you owe love, Christ's love, to anyone right now? Is there someone you didn't show the love of Christ to that comes to your mind when I say that? If someone does, this week, if you can, go to them, phone them, email them, and do a better job of loving them. So you don't, you don't have a, a long ledger of who you owe Christ love to, but you're trying to love in his name all the time. So there's a new covenant, there's a new creation, there's a new way, and there's a new commandment. Next we move to new things that we will find in heaven. New things in heaven. And then in Revelation 20, verse 5, then he who sat on the throne, that's our Lord Jesus Christ, said, behold, I am making all things new. That's in the context of heaven. Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, that is John, the human author, write, for these words are true and faithful. Jesus Christ is even now in the business of making all things new in heaven. Can you imagine? God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit created the universe literally in six literal days, but Jesus Christ is still in the process of making all things new in heaven. What a place that is. And what does the book of Revelation say that he's making new? The Lord Jesus in heaven. He's making new Jerusalem. He's making a new walled and gated city. He's making a new earth. He's making a new temple, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. He's making a new source of light, the glory of God in heaven. He's making a new tree of life, a new kind of service and worship for Jesus, and a new moral environment of holiness. Amazing. The new things of heaven. In heaven, there'll be all kinds of things that have been made new and are being made new. The Bible tells us about some of those things, the things which I listed off and some others, but there are other new things I am sure in heaven that the Lord in his wisdom says that he didn't need to reveal to us in his word. He's revealed to us everything in his word that he wants us to know when we're on earth about heaven. But I'm sure there'll be vistas of pleasure and beauty that are even surpassed what we see described in the book of Revelation. There's a family I'm familiar with that goes to a vacation spot, enjoys it regularly. So they were very thrilled with the vacation spot. But this one time they went to the vacation spot, there was a brand new pool, swimming pool, installed. So can you imagine, they were already thrilled to go to the vacation spot they knew about, but when they got there, there was the huge, pleasant surprise, the thrill of even a swimming pool. I think heaven is kind of going to be like that. We're going to go with an anticipation of what it is, a longing to be there, but when we actually get there, there'll be so many surprises of joy and wonder and pleasure that we didn't know about. I'm looking forward to that. In 2023, God, if he spares our lives, may he give each of us a sound mind to look forward 
to the new things of heaven. Beth and I were talking on the way to church this morning. And she said, I wonder, Rob, if longing for heaven is easier for people who are disadvantaged than the rich people. She was saying, we who have more than enough, are we disinclined to think about heaven? And those who do not have enough, are they more inclined to think about heaven? I'll leave that with you. I would recommend a book by Randy Alcorn, simple title, Heaven, as something you could read and learn more about the biblical things that are mentioned about heaven in Randy Alcorn's book. So sometimes the look forward to heaven, and this is important, sometimes a person's forward look to heaven is a lot shorter time span than they ever imagined. Heaven was a lot nearer to several believers that I know than they thought. They didn't know they were sick. But in months or days, even in some cases, they were with Jesus. And sometimes our longing for heaven, we assume that we have X number of years or more years to be on earth. And when, in fact, we're going to get every day that God's preordained for us to have, according to Psalm 139. But sometimes we don't know if that's a short or a long time. Well, all the time we don't know if it's a short or a long time. Just last year, 12 of our precious believers of our church family gained heavenly homes. Crystal Underwood, Bradley Ferguson, Val Hudson, Alan Albury, Dominic Elliott, Terry Johnson, Bill Whiteland, Clifton Wells, Marlene Heiler, Ruth Cash, Margaret Sawyer, and most recently, Clarence Harrison. We do well to consider the new things that make up heaven. So we have a new covenant, we have a new creation a new way, a new commandment, new things in heaven, and next we have a new song. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. And they, that is the saints in heaven, sang a new song, saying to Christ, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. There's a new song. Now, I know some of you really enjoy singing here in church, and you really enjoy singing to the Lord in your cars. You really enjoy singing to the Lord in the shower or the bathtub. And there's others I know that really don't like to sing. It's not a reflection of your spirituality. You just don't like to sing. Maybe you've got vocal cord issues that it hurts to sing, or maybe you just can't carry a tune in a bucket. That's all right. But there's going to be a new song in heaven that all the redeemed will sing even if they weren't good singers or inclined to sing on earth. We will all be singing of the Lamb of God in heaven, Jesus Christ, all of us, and we will all be singing a new song. One not yet written here on earth. A new song. 
Interestingly, Pastor Anthon may know this, he probably does, he's a student of God's word. But interestingly, Revelation 14 verse 3 informs us there will even be special music ministry in heaven. Revelation 14.3, they sang, and that's all, all the redeemed, they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who redeemed from the earth. The Jews in the tribulation that will come to place faith in Christ for salvation, 12,000 of them from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, that's the 144,000 of Revelation, not Jehovah's Witnesses. These 144,000 converted Jews will be special music in heaven. 144,000 strong choir singing a unique song to Jesus Christ that the rest of us in heaven won't be able to sing. It's their song to Jesus. Imagine that. So what's new? A new year. But there's plenty else new beyond the year. A new covenant, a new creation, a new way, a new commandment, New things in heaven, a new song, and one more new thing I want to point out to you. That there, in this year, we trust and pray, there will be new babes in Christ. New converts. Because of our witness. Because of our prayer. No angel is going to witness the gospel to anybody you know this year. They don't get the privilege. Human, redeemed human beings, we get the privilege to share the gospel, which is also a responsibility to share the gospel. So let's think about these new babes in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, Paul addressing the church at Corinth, which had a whole litany of problems. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal as to babes in Christ. The mess in Corinthians, all the sins that are enumerated in First and Second Corinthians in that church rendered, or proved rather, that those falling into those sins were carnal, that is, they were fleshly, that is, they weren't dominated and controlled by the Holy Spirit. They had grabbed back onto old things they should have dropped a long time ago, and they were hugging and holding them. So they're taking each other to court. One man was sleeping with his stepmother, They were drunk at the Lord's table. They had a lot of problems. And Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, fleshly, Holy Spirit, undominated believers, and to babes in Christ. You know, it's easy, and it's very tragic, though, that a new believer in Christ who trusts Jesus to be his or her Savior never grows up into Christ. And a lot of that lays at the feet of the church. A lot of that lays at the feet of the person who led them to salvation in Christ. An educational axiom in America, maybe it's still going, I don't know. No child left behind. No new babe in Christ should be left behind. When we have the privilege of leading them to saving faith in Christ, offering the gospel from the scriptures, 
and we see them trust the Lord to be their savior, we have a responsibility to stick with them. In hockey, we'd say stick with them like white on rice. It's our responsibility. We led them to Christ. It's your responsibility to bring that person you led to Christ to this wonderful church family regularly so that others in the church family can contribute to that babe in Christ maturing spiritually and growing up and not old in Christ. New babes in Christ, 1 Peter 2.2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You see, there's a two-edged sword here. On one side, there's a negative thing that a babe in Christ who remains a babe in Christ and never grows up into Christ and remains immature and fleshly, that's a bad thing. But a great thing is when a new believer in Christ is helped to have the pure milk of God's word to the point that they eventually can take the meat of God's word and grow. There's a medical term for babies, failure to thrive. And when a human baby fails to thrive physically and emotionally and mentally, there's a big problem. There's a global delay or some other problem. To be a babe in Christ is not to stall out at the conversion point, but to advance, to have the pure milk of the word and then the meat of the word and to grow up and not just merely old in Christ. None of us would bring our new baby to the nursery with nobody in the nursery to change the diaper or to keep the child during church. No one would just take a baby to the nursery and say, I'll see you in an hour and a half. No, because there's a responsibility to care for a baby, make sure the baby's needs are met. There's a responsibility for us to care for new babes in Christ. And we just don't put them in the corner and say, grow up, we'll see you in about 15 years. If you are led, and I trust you will be, if you are led to share the gospel with a lost person this week or any week in 2023, that when you share the gospel with them and they respond in faith in Jesus Christ, you stick with them. You don't abandon them you don't carelessly move on in life forgetting them. I'll leave that between you and the Lord. I'll tell you this, though, that we as elders and deacons in our fellowship, we are praying and working towards something that I hope you all will be praying and working toward in 2023, and it's this, that we would see God create a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, Scripture-dominating, new-convert-nurturing, established-believer-challenging climate in Calvary Bible Church. So it's not just the new babe in Christ who's growing spiritually, but it's all of us together growing spiritually. That's what we're praying for. That's the production of fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. What will that look like? Well, fully following the Lord Jesus Christ looks like loving him. That's the Sunday morning worship service. It used to be that people would miss church only if something important came around. Now, I'm afraid people miss church 
when something different comes along. Loving the Lord in the Sunday morning worship services. Loving one another. I've talked about small groups. You know, the only people I know that don't have any troubles are the people I don't know. Because everybody has troubles. And the small group is where you can be real about your troubles with people that you love and you know they love you. If it's a confidential matter, they'll keep the confidence. But that's to be found in a small group. Please be in a small group. Another ways that we're going to create this climate of God glorification and exaltation of Christ and the domination of Scripture and the nurturing attitude and action for the new convert and the establishing of believers and fully following Jesus is that we have a love for the lost. I probably have done 300 or so funerals in my time of being a pastor of local churches. And in those funerals, if I could say over the casket with integrity, he or she trusted Jesus to be his or her savior before they died, then I can say all is well. But I've had plenty of situations where with integrity, I couldn't say that. And I couldn't say that all is well for that deceased person. You know what I say when I'm asked to do a funeral of a person that I'm told that it's known he rejected Christ? I measure my words very carefully and I say, this afternoon, I want to share with you the greatest news that Billy ever heard in his life. The gospel. We have to have a burden for lost people, a love for lost people, a humility toward lost people, an interest in lost people. And they're all around us every day. All around us. We will also have this particular climate we're praying and working toward by the ingesting of God's word, the taking in of God's word, not just on Sunday mornings, but in our own times of devotion and prayer in our homes. We'll have this as we live by faith and not by sight as a church. By, as we see breathing is like praying and praying is like breathing. So what's new? Well, there's a new year. There's a new covenant, a new creation, a new way, a new commandment, new things in heaven, a new song, and new babes in Christ. Guess what? That's all fine and dandy. But if I close my notes, go down to sit with Beth, and that's where I leave it, I have fallen short. Because over the long haul, the question we must ask is, are our lives, or make it personal, is my life maintaining newness enough that me calling myself new doesn't startle anybody? Am I maintaining newness in the areas of my life enough that people who hear my claim that I'm new in Christ don't go, really? New looks new, new behaves new, new deals with others new. There was a, excuse me, there was a Canadian TV station in Ontario, CKVR, and they burst out of the gates 
uh, one day and said, we're, the, we're now the new VR. And for the first few months, we saw the newness of the new VR. And we thought, okay, all right. But then as time waned on, the new VR got very empty and hollow. And by the time they were saying that five, six, seven years down the road is calling themselves the new VR, they weren't new. They were a joke. They weren't new. <laughs> you know what that's like? That's like me telling this tennis racket, you're a snapper. You're a snapper. You are a snapper fish. Fact is, it's a tennis racket. Everybody knows it's a tennis racket and not a snapper fish. We don't want to be in the place where we tell people we're new in Christ when we're not acting new in Christ. They know the difference. You're a snapper. Uh-uh. You're a tennis racket. And so, bakeries reduce the price of stale bread. Why? Because stale bread isn't worth as much as fresh bread to buyers. If we grow stale in what the scriptures tell us to be new about, we have less appeal and worth to non-Christians, excuse me, watching us. And so my question to myself, whenever I prepare a sermon, I have to run the truth of the sermon through Rob Elliott before I dare run the truth of the scriptures through any of you. I have to ask myself, have I grown stale? Do I need to change so that I'm more clearly new in Christ than I have been seen to be in 2022? Maybe that's a question you want to ask too. Have I grown stale? Could I be more new because I am new? There's a lot new. A new covenant, a new creation, a new way, a new commandment. New things in heaven, a new song, and new babes in Christ. And a new year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your word is a wonderful mirror for us. It shows us as we truly are. It reveals to us those areas of our lives that you mean to sanctify more in 2023. Lord, may we take this time spent before the mirror of your word as it relates to our newness in a serious way. This city does not need any more Christian hypocrites. We want to match our walk with our talk. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness in Christ for the ways that we have sensed in the preaching of these verses that we have gone stale. Thank you that as we confess that, as we turn from that, as we seek your help to be fresh again, that you will revive us. And by reviving each of us, you will revive this church.
Lord, you're so patient with us. Long-suffering. Lord, make me to be the man you want me to be. And make all of my brothers and my sisters the persons that you want them to be, the new creations in Christ. For we ask this in the precious name of the one who will have all the new songs of heaven sung to him forevermore, even the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.